Let's go to the Dude Maker Hotline. Lori Calhoun is the author of many, many books and has been on uh, the Mike Church Show uh, many times to talk about them. And uh, uh, we were talking the other day, Lori and I, uh, uh, about this very thing. And uh, she said, uh, well, that seems very unconstitutional to me. And I said, I agree. We should talk about it and do a show. Plus, we'll do a little follow-up on her latest book on, on, on COVID, which we talked to Lori about about six months ago. She's on the Dude Maker Hotline, live from Ohio in the central part of the United States. Lori, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Mike. Very well. How are you? I am well. Um, uh, questioning the COVID company line was your last book. You know, the last time you were on, I got about 30 messages from people going, you need to have her on every week. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy to oblige. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we well, always have a lot to talk about. No one can say things are, are boring these days. So. <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm in contact with uh, uh, an old friend of mine uh, and a colleague of yours from the Libertarian Institute, uh, Tom Woods. Um, uh, he sent me a note, or, or I sent him a note, he sent me one back, about his new book that's out at the Libertarian Institute, um, and it's on the same subject, and Dr. Woods and I are going to talk about it. I was just noticing that you guys are colleagues. That's right, yeah. Um, Tom Woods actually compiled all of his emails throughout the entire Corona apocalypse, and so it's a kind of, he calls it a diary, diary of a psychosis, I believe, and it just, it chronicles his attempts to grapple with what was going on. So it's very interesting, for sure. You should read it. Well, this is kind of you. This is what you did. It is, but I, I wrote more essays where I was just trying to figure out, you know, kind of philosophically or logically what was going on. Like, what is the basis for this? What are the principles behind this? Of course, there were none, we discovered. But, but I was trying to really take things seriously, you know, through every single issue. So, you know, is this right? Is this wrong? What are the, what is the basis for it? Whereas Tom was just reacting to the news as it came out. So he, he sent out emails. I don't think it was on a daily basis, but, you know, a frequent basis. Whereas my collection is essays. So it's a little bit different. It's a different tone, a slightly different approach. His has a nice, has a feeling of recreating, if you're interested in going there again, <laughs> the whole aura of what was going on. Mine is more, um, I would say, a little more uh, critical thinking. That's why I call it critical thinking in, in historical times, because I tried, to, I, tried to I tried to take people seriously when they said things and then try to make sense of them. Usually it was impossible, but <laughs> I, I tried to <laughs> kind of dig a little deeper, whereas Tom was just like, you know, this is BS. <laughs> Well, okay, well, well uh, is there any critical thinking in the hysterical time of today going on? Well, I think there has been some. I was very refreshed by the presence of Vivek Ramaswamy on the campaign trail. He's out now. He's now a, a Trump supporter um, campaigning for Trump. But I found it a breath of fresh air to listen to him do things, dare to do things, such as criticize our foreign policy. So that was wonderful. I thought that was the first real critical thinking I had seen on the political um, realm in, in quite a long time. So that was great. And I was, you know, I was glad that he stayed in as long as he could just because he had this unique voice. So I do think there's more critical thinking going on. I'm glad he's staying in. And um, it looks like he's working with Trump. So that's, that's fabulous. Yeah, I call him Vivek Magaswamy. Okay, yeah, that's, that's kind of who he is. I think you, you and I, early on, we, we exchanged a couple tweets where we sort of projected that he might be running for Trump's VP. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, 
Uh, I think that would be great. I'm not sure if Trump would take him on because he is kind of a very big character. So I'm not sure Trump would want to have someone that big next to him, but um, in terms of intellectually, you know, so but we'll see what happens. I, I hope he does. I mean, I think that I think they would win by a landslide, actually. Well, uh, uh, so last night, Joy Reid uh, was, uh, we're not going to talk about it. I'm just going to drop this in quick, Lori. Joy Reid was out there going like, oh, and the, Trump, and, the, and the Trump people are out there. They're birthers again. They're birthers on Nikki Haley. Well, they're birthers on Nikki Haley because Nikki Haley was born of two, a man and a woman who were not naturalized American citizens at the time of her birth. Uh, so if is there is a, right? yeah, oh yes, oh yes, she is completely and totally ineligible. Um, and which mm -hmm. is, and Trump has not made a big deal out of it. I hope that he does because my my stand is, Laurie, is let's let's have a convention, let's have an amendment, amend the Constitution uh, if it's going to survive, and let's settle this once and for all. Either Vitell was right, and we're still going to use Vitell's definition, or we're going to say mm -hmm. that we don't care about. Vitell and right. we're going to say that anchor babies, anyone whose mother's nether regions cross the Rio Grande is an American <laughs> citizen. I, I mean, I think that that is an awful suicidal, dumb way to have a qualification for the presidency. But I think that there ought to be an amendment and ought to be settled, especially if you keep importing 8, 9, 10 million people a year in from foreign countries. Uh, you need to have that definition. Which is a perfect segue to the hottest issue around, which is the border dispute on the uh, the southern border of Texas, which is an unbelievable, in some ways, finding by the Supreme Court. It was an emergency stay, so it's going to go back to the courts. It's not over. It's definitely not over. And I read up a little bit on it. It depends on what newspaper you look at. New, uh, Los Angeles. Los Angeles Times had a picture of these smiling immigrants on the other side of Concertina Wire, who had been apparently standing out in the sun for hours when the federal agent came to cut it down to let them through. So, so it raises so many interesting questions. It really does. I, he I heard the end of your, your previous segment um, about what exactly it means to be a state in the United States of America, what the basis of our government is, what the structure of our government is, and what borders mean. Uh, so, yeah, fascinating. Um, I don't know if these are these people voting. Is it possible for them to vote? I mean, can we take care of that by having uh, voter ID required and paper votes? Or what do you think? Well, um, OK, they say that some of them, uh, there are some people that say on X, well, they're going to be voting in Arizona because look at the uh, form here. Well, if you read the form, the actual the whole form, it clearly mm -hmm. states that you have to present identification at the time of your registration. You may not have okay. to present it the day you vote, but if you register to vote, you have to present identification that says that you are a citizen of the state of Arizona. Now, you can't be a okay. citizen of the state of Arizona unless you're a citizen of the of the United States. So you do have to present. You know, there's a lot of uh, you have to watch what people uh, post on X. There's a lot of people that just republish things and go like, see, see, see. You know, I always ask that. There's a guy that, that posts a lot of stuff and it's good, and people take his his word for it. Uh, Jose Sachin is his name, and I go, source, give me the source, and right. he never responds. I mean, right. either tell me what the source is so I can look it up and verify it, or it doesn't respond. Yeah. But, but look, you, you and I said, you said we wanted to, uh, you said that you thought that this was patently unconstitutional with the Biden regime and what the courts are trying to do to, uh, uh, to Texas. Uh, so we should talk about that. I think that if you're going to have a discussion about this, and no one is going to like this very much, you're going to have to talk, and this, is, this can actually be fun. You're ultimately, Laurie, you're going to have to talk about Dred Scott. 
You're going, this is ultimately, if you really want to know, if you really want to plumb the depths of the issue of borders and who is sovereign in and who gets to deal with that, then you can pretty much find the answer to that in Justice Taney's decision in Dred Scott. Now, of course, you don't want to go read Dred Scott because it's racist and it's uh, it's xenophobic and it's wrong. And Slavery was legal. At the time Dred Scott has written, slavery is legal in 13 American states. That's a fact. Um, you, at, at the time Dred Scott has written, the 13th Amendment has to be passed and the Congress has to be sent to the states and ratified to make it illegal chattel slavery in the United States. Mm-hmm. So when people mm-hmm. go, we can't use Yes, you can. It's, it, it's practically the Bible. What does Justice Taney say? Justice Taney, if anyone's ever, if you want to read a judicial opinion uh, that, that would shock you, read the Dred Scott decision. Because he's he answers, the, the, there's a full third of it that, that deals with the question of what a territory is and what a sovereignty is and what a border is. Where, and okay. where, does, yeah, where does one end and where does the other begin and what a state is. So if you read Dred Scott, then Texas can do what it's doing, and it should do it. Oh, okay. Thank you. Well, I just pulled that up. I, I don't recall reading Dred, the Dred Scott case any time in recent history, so I will definitely take a look at that. Um, I think, I mean, you can, also, you can also just ask basic philosophical questions, such as, does Texas have a right to secure its borders from the north and the east and the west, right? So right. Texas is an interesting case. Like, just look at the map of Texas. Okay, so I believe during, you know, coming back to the corona apocalypse, I believe that states were allowed to forbid the entry of people from other states, yep. if, if I remember correctly. Okay, so people said, oh, your infection rate is too high. You can't come here. Okay, so, so that, was, that was permitted, I believe. So if that was permitted, how could it not be, how could Texas's attempt to prevent illegal crossings not be permissible? I mean, I find it very bizarre, but I read the, the very short take on this. Apparently they didn't write anything. It was a one-sentence decision where they, they just um, gave it a stay. It's an, it's an emergency stay. And the reasoning, it sounds like um, the people who voted for this were trying to be as, if you like, Catholic as, as they could, you know, because <laughs> the reason given was that a few people had died crossing the river, I think, very recently. And then there was this other case where people were languishing in the sun on the other side of the concertina wire. And so this, as you said, was supposed to be a human, humanitarian effort. But it raises this whole question of where, where do you draw the line on human, humanitarian aid? You don't see people going out of their way to help the homeless, for example, in the United States, right? So right. it's like, why are federal agents not picking people off the street then and giving them housing? They're not doing that, right? So why should they care if someone, is, this sounds cruel, but why should they care if someone's sitting out in the sun in Mexico on the other side of the border? I mean, they can 
go sit outside, uh, go sit outside their their own government's uh, headquarters or whatever, and complain, and then <laughs> and then see if their government will do something for them. I mean, it doesn't really make sense to me. It seems completely illogical. Well, and, uh, okay, uh, 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 this is completely and perfectly illogical. Lori Calhoun is my special guest here today on the Mike Church Show, and the COVID Company line is her latest book. I guess you get it at the Libertarian Institute, right? You can order there. They have it. Yes. Usual booksellers, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can you can find it there. Let's go back. Right. Okay, let's talk about those things that happen between states here. Now, this is covered under what is called the Privileges and Immunities Clause in the Constitution. Uh, there's a very famous case of a woman who left her home in Philadelphia and drove into New Jersey, and there was something that she was uh, supposedly had to. Uh, uh, she had there was a time-sensitive issue. She had to drive through New Jersey to get to where she was going. She was st stopped by a New Jersey state trooper, and during the stop, she was asked if she had a firearm. And she's like, well, "Hell yeah, I'm a single woman driving on a highway. I got kids to protect. Yes." Mm -hmm. He took her to jail. Oh. She was violating New Jersey's gun law, and Pennsylvania did not have what is called reciprocity with New Jersey. Interesting. She was prosecuted. She was staring down five years in the clink. So, wow. it, now, ironically, it wasn't until Governor uh, uh, Chris Krispy Kreme intervened and said that, and he pardoned her, but I want to say that he pardoned her, either commuted her sentence or he pardoned her, but it brought up the fact that in the United States, that states recognize that they have borders. Like, for example, some insurance companies are not allowed to sell in Texas, but they can sell in Louisiana. Now, so this has to do, so, so what's at stake here? Well, then Texas is saying that it has a border, and what happens inside it is their business, and Louisiana has a border, and what happens inside it is Louisiana's business. Louisiana can't compel Texas to do what it wants, and Texas can't compel Louisiana to do what it wants, which is why when you right. brought it up, and I thought it was a perfect example, Lori, I had forgotten about people traveling between states. Remember, Gruesome Newsom during COVID, he actually said— he, he listed, it was an official document of the states that he said are not allowed to travel inside California. And employees of the state of California were not allowed to go to Florida, uh, Georgia, whatever the states were that opened up early. They were, they were basically forbidden under penalty of law and prosecution. So there is something to that, isn't there? I think so. So correct me if I'm wrong, but they were also... People were not permitted to cross into these states as well. I know that the state employees were, were forbidden from traveling, you know, using state funds to go outside of the state, you know, to, to these places. But is it true also that people could not, like, for example, drive across the border legally, although I'm sure that wasn't enforced, but was it officially illegal for them to drive across the border? No, that's an interesting question. But, you know, as we as we talk about this, so let, let, let me throw out another historical case, and most of you will remember this. Do you know who Elian Gonzalez was? Uh, remind me. Okay, so Elian Gonzalez was a six-year-old boy who was born to a pair of Cuban parents. He emigrated, uh, uh, if you will, with his uncle and was living in Miami because the uncle said that he could provide a better life for him in Miami than his, and the dad could provide in Cuba. So what happened? The Cuban embassy called Clinton administration, State Department, and said, hey, 
He's illegal in your country. We want him back. Give him to us. Do you know what the Clinton administration, you know what Janet Nero did? She sent INS down there. They found out where he was staying. It was a very famous, it was a photograph of the year in 1993 in Time Life. Uh, They sent the uh, Immigration and Nationalization or Federal Marshals down there. They broke into the house. They busted the door down with a warrant. And they went and they took young Ellie in. There it is. It's in the, it's in the chat room. CrusadeChannel.com forward slash chat. Vincent Pittsburgh put it in there. They took young Ellie in and they put him on a plane and sent him back to Cuba. Yep. So mm-hmm. Florida, so the United States was acknowledging its border with Cuba was real and that little Elian did not have uh, some kind of constitutional prerogative or right because of humanitarian reasons to squat inside the U.S. Yeah, I don't understand this humanitarian reasoning at all because it seems to it seems to deny the reality of borders altogether. Because obviously, the per capita wealth of people, citizens of the United States, is much higher than that of most people on the planet. So, so if you were to follow that as a rule, logically, you would have to admit that everyone in the world can just rush into the United States, Bangladesh, Indonesia, it doesn't matter where you are. They all have a very low um, per day, uh, per capita income. So, you know, by humanitarian standards, you could say that anyone who has less money than U.S. citizens have can come into the United States. I mean, why wouldn't you say that? So it's, it's very arbitrary. You know, if people show up at the concertina wire and have sweat on their brow, you're supposed to let them in? I mean, I just don't understand it. Well, Lori, let's go, let's go back even farther. Let's go back to the, okay. uh, to the era of the Cold War. A Russian, okay. let's just pretend that a Russian somehow, that, uh, that Solzhenitsyn could somehow get out of Soviet Russia and could make it to the Rio Grande. Right. Okay. Does he stand there with sweat on his brow? And is there somebody on the other side going, hey, comrade, come on over? Right. No, no. There yeah. is a defection there where the State Department has to make an exception and say, no, he can cross into the United States and we will offer you political asylum. You know, by the way, Lori, haven't we heard the Biden regime at some time during the last three years use the term asylum? I believe they have used the term asylum. Yes, I believe they have. But how can nine million people be in need of asylum? And if that's the case, right, why not exactly. the rest of the world? <laughs> no, exactly. So it's it's like you dilute if you start talking if you start equating humanitarianism with political asylum, then you dilute it to the point where it no longer has any meaning. It has no meaning. It's like, oh, I don't like my, I don't like my government because, you know, they are wrecking my country. Well, that kind of applies to, like, most people in the United States at this point. But, um, you know, it, it dilutes the terms. Political asylum has to mean something um, to be applied. If, if you just try to equate it and say anyone who's, who's disgruntled um, is a political, um, you know, a candidate for political asylum, then again... It, it implies that you have to open up all your borders to everyone who is less well-off than are the people of the United States. So I think it makes zero sense. So is the river, the, river, the Rio Grande River, where people sometimes try to cross and end up a few, some of them drown, right. is that in Texas proper, or is that, is that in Mexico proper, or is it exactly at the border? So I believe that one half of it is in Texas. And one half of it is in Mexico. Okay. 
So I was thinking about what Abbott could do. I mean, is it possible for him to erect barriers within the state of Texas, say like 10 feet within, or, or is that what he has already done, and they're cutting those down? Well, yeah, but if you remember that the first trial, which happened in early September, I had a story yesterday, they call it the, the buoy wire case. So, yeah, right. they're actually putting buoys out. They're measuring what the distance is um, from the, the bank. Apparently, they know. And then they go up and, uh, and, and stop short of the Mexican side of the, of the okay. Rio Grande. And okay. they put so buoys there it's, it's with the wire. Yeah. I mean, the line, you know, the line is, I guess, you know, in, infinitesimally small. A, a, a line has no dimension. So whatever point it is, it's Mexico on one side, it's Texas on the other side. So I guess Abbott is already... Satisfying that. And the point is, he's not putting these things in Mexico, right? He's putting them in his own state in the way that he could protect uh, the northern residents of Texas from some sort of tribe of people. I don't want to say tribe, but, you know, whatever, group of miscreants. Let's say you have a bunch of violent gangs up in the, in the um, north of Texas. Let's see, what state is uh, north of Texas? I think it's. Well, Oklahoma. Right, Oklahoma. Okay, so so you have New Mexico in the west, Oklahoma up north, and you guys, Louisiana to the east. So let's just say you have a band of of uh, criminals in Louisiana, and they want to cross over and and steal steal the homes and wealth of people in in western Texas. I mean, surely Abbott can prevent that from happening, right? And so the question is, why why is he obliged to allow this? nonstop influx of people who are using up his resources and making making the governance of Texas difficult, if not impossible. I mean, I, I really don't understand the judgment. I mean, it was an emergency stay, so we'll see. It's going to go back to the courts. When I first saw it, you know, I didn't know that they had not written an actual um, brief or anything. I mean, they didn't, they didn't write a complete decision. It's only a one-statement uh, stay. So That's right. it's going back to the courts. And I think that the lawyers are going to have to... Um, bring forth some of these arguments um, uh, regarding, you know, comparing, analogizing the, the southern border to the western, northern, and eastern border, where Abbott clearly has the right to do what he needs to do to protect the people of Texas. Well, there's a, uh, and we're going to have to wrap up because we're, we are now uh, out of time. Um, there's a picture in the uh, chat room. Where'd you get that picture from, Maggie? Okay, so Greg Abbott actually posted this on his Twitter. Uh, I'll send it to you in uh, our Twitter message. you got to see this. There okay, is a buoy line down the middle of the Rio Grande with buoys and razor right. wire. And okay. it is very well defined. You can see it there. I guess that's a drone shot probably that took that. Um, uh, so you're right. You just go up to and then take a couple paces back from where the purported border, border of uh, Texas and Mexico is. And then you put the buoy there. I think that the constitutional question is that the state of Texas... Not only does it have the right, it has the responsibility to protect itself. You know, if you read Article 1, Section 8, you know, and then the Militia Clause and the Rebellion Clause and the Insurrection Clause, it clearly says that uh, upon the application of the legislature or the executive thereof, that's what is mm -hmm. an insurrection or a rebellion. So the state yeah. has to declare it. And what the Biden regime is saying is that, no, the federalities get to declare it. Uh, find Lori Calhoun at the Libertarian Institute. You can also follow her on Twitter. She is Lori Calhoun. And you have a website as well, right? I do, the Drone Age. It's uh, 
a, a really a book blog about my um, drone warfare book, We Kill Because We Can, for yep. Children to Assassination in the Drone Age. Yeah. The Drone Age. Um, all right. We need to have you back more often and sooner, and I will. It's, it's a new year. Okay. Ha- happy New We're Year. We're talking to you. I know we got to hard the end of our topic, so yeah. Well, <laughs> well hey, hey, leave them wanting more. <laughs> yes, okay, sounds good. There's so much going on. I mean, like I said early on, it's definitely not a boring time to live. <laughs> no, it is not. All right, Lori, God bless you. Thank you for your time. And that, I'm serious, we will talk soon. We'll pick this up in a, in, a, in a few weeks. That sounds great, Mike. All right, thank you Happy very much.